We're back with another episode, and today we speak with our third semi-finalist of the MTGP Road to One Championship, Nathan Benden. Even if I lose a fight, any fight that I've lost, no one's ever said, oh, it weren't a great fight. That was nuts. That was brilliant. Great fight. Unlucky on the result. But, you know, we like to watch you fight. And I will be I will be a household man. And that is my goal. I've had two years now where I've just done everything by the book. I've been organised. I've put training camps, you know, pen to paper, just making sure I know what that is happening, what my nutrition's on point. I don't go above 72 kilos now after a fight um, and that's eating good. So it's, it's a lot easier to make the way it's, I'm happier. I'm performing well. I've won titles. I've, you know, I've got the WBC world. It's all coming. It's all coming now. So now it's my time. So that fight didn't happen. Then one championship, Muay Thai Grand Prix called, do you want this tournament? Road to one. I thought, this is my path. This is the sign that I was meant to have. Because if I would have got signed after the Lumpini fight, after the knockout in the little gloves, torn my MCL and not been able to show up for one championship, you know, it could have really gone against me. So this is my, this is meant to be my path to the global stage. We dig into Nathan's earlier years and his gradual introduction into the world of Muay Thai. We talk about the support of his wife and two kids and what distinguishes Nathan as a fighter, his style and his game plan and his hunger to be the best in the world. We talk about his two-year boxing stint and the five-fight win streak that followed, including becoming both the international and world WBC title holder. We speak about his experience fighting in Thailand at the famous Lumpini Stadium and his thoughts as he prepares for a semi-final against George Muzakitis on November the 12th at the O2 Indigo. I'm your host, Ski Hung, and on a continuing mission to help as many people as possible organically. If you enjoy the conversation and benefit from it, share it with someone and pay it forward. Also, visit mindfulnews.uk for all of our podcasts, powerful video clips on a growing library of free guided meditations for fighters. So Nathan, um, thanks again for doing this. As always, I'd like to dig into a little bit about some of the background and your upbringing. So why don't we start there? If you can help show us, you know, what are some of the circumstances of your earliest years that went into shaping who you became as a, you know, both a fighter, but in particular as, as a man? Oh, so I started fighting around about 11 years old. I was just training at the local gym. Uh, K-Star where Henry Clemenson, who now runs CrawFit UK, was was uh, running. In all honesty, it just was part of my routine. I was going to the gym. I was going to school, going to the gym. It was, it was on the way home. So I'd, I'd stop up at the gym and then just go home straight after. It was part of a routine and it was just something that I did. I didn't really inspire to fight. You know, I didn't think I'm joining the gym because I want to be a fighter. It was just somewhere to spend some energy and just give me something to, to do after school, I guess. Then I, got, I started getting quite good at it quite quickly. Did Had a few fights. And then it was, again, every time there was a show, do you want to fight? And I was like, yeah, it was part of a routine. You know, train hard and, you know, I, I was winning. So I was obviously quite good at it. And um, like the, the results were 
it was quite nice. I quite enjoyed it, like winning things, you know, finding something that I could actually do quite well at. So, and then at 16, I started fighting C class, had a couple of C class, then I fought B class against uh, Pindi Madahar. Uh, he runs uh, TMA, I think it's called in in uh, Warsaw now. But the, the fight was chaos. The atmosphere was a tower room, one of the uh, K Star shows. It was electric. I was 16 years old and the place erupted. It was mental. I thought, wow, wow. this is for me. This is after the fight. There was like, he probably sold about 300 tickets. It was loads of people were there for him. I sold like 100 because I've been fighting a lot now and, you know, all the gym come and, you know, we had like, quite a lot of pals at that age that were interested in fighting and stuff. So it was an amazing atmosphere. But after the fight, everyone was talking about it. Like for weeks, it was on that Axe Forum kickboxing. And uh, everyone was was saying how good it was and how, you know, we're going to be good when we go through the ranks and have a load more experience and blah, blah, blah. It wasn't like I was going to be a world-level fighter, but I just liked that bit of recognition and that bit of, oh, I'm actually, I'm actually going to be a, like very good at this. So then I started taking it a bit more seriously. But like I was, I, I fought at 70 kilos. I fought Pindy at 70. And then I thought maybe I'll come down a weight because I, I was young and I was, you know, I wasn't in great shape. I wasn't an athlete at all. So I had a couple at 66, 67. And then I found the weight at 63 and a half and fought at 63 and a half. But again, I was 16, 17, 18. It wasn't. You know, you think you're invincible. You think you can go and do whatever you want, and you know it's it's all all good. So I was out of shape. I hit like 20, 21. I started fighting for titles, British titles, area titles, whatever. And then I was winning, but I wasn't in shape. I would come out of camp within a couple of weeks. I was seventy five kilos, seventy seven, eighty kilo. I've been out of shape, and I'm fighting at sixty three and a half. It was, and I, I did that for about five years it was a hard slog and then I had a few boxing fights I thought I'm not going to be cutting all this weight to earn tuppence I brought a house I'd had I've had children I'm married I thought I need to earn some real dough so I got offered to have a few boxing fights which I was paying like three times as much that the Muay Thai was paying did that didn't really enjoy it I was fine at 70 kilo again because it was it was either the same day weighing or it was like short notice. It wasn't something that I put my heart and soul into. It was just the opportunity to make money and also the opportunity to have a fight, which is what I'm good at and what I enjoy. Did that, I thought, I'm not actually getting any fulfillment out of this. So what do I want to do? Do I want to be happy and actually, you know, put a stamp on my name and be a good martial artist and be remembered or do I want to earn like two grand a fight or 1500 pound a fight whatever it is you know which isn't a lot of money but when you fight that low level of boxing and it's on the same day the ring edge you want to fight you can earn a grand and a half you know it's quite it's quite enticing so I was speaking to Wayne Kirk who runs fourth dimension and he said like You've got to go back to the tall boxing and you've got to give it your heart and soul. And now there's opportunities of one championship where good money, good 
recognition. You know, you're going to get on a global platform and a big stage, Muay Thai Grand Prix as well. You know, they're, they're putting shows out all over the world. Super Showdown, Yakao, all them sort of shows. People are watching them. People will know your name if you're fighting and competing. And even if I lose a fight, any fight that I've lost, no one's ever said, oh, it weren't a great fight. That was nuts. That was brilliant. Great fight. Unlucky on the result. But, you know, we like to watch you fight. And I will be I will be a household man. And that is my goal. So I started taking, started taking the tight, you know, full force. I got a strength conditioning coach. I got a nutritionist. Uh, Peter Miller, I got... How many years ago is this now? So this was three years ago now. Oh, three years ago oh, now, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Two years ago. Two years ago it was. It was just on the back end of COVID. I've, I've, COVID had finished. I'd had a few boxing fights in COVID, luckily, because there were still shows going on, um, which were, you know, there was no one in the room. It was very airy. It was weird. It was like a glorified spa, but they were still allowed yeah. to run the shows because uh, due to no crowd and quarantine and all that sort of stuff. So luckily I got fights there, but when I come back to the tie, it was, let's take it seriously. I've had two years now where I've just done everything by the book. I've been organized. I've put training camps, you know, pen to paper, just making sure I know what that is happening, what my nutrition's on point. I don't go above 72 kilos now after a fight um, and that's eating good. So it's, it's a lot easier to make the way it's, I'm happier I'm performing well. I've won titles. I've, you know, I've got the WBC world. It's all coming. It's all coming now. So now it's my time. So, you know, how much pressure does it, you know, put on the family every time you go into a camp? You, know, you mentioned the food and the, you know, your free meals a day, and I'm sure that plays a toll. You know, how, how does the missus take it, and you know, uh, and the kids? So we, my missus jokes. She says she's going to start a support unit for fighters' wives. Because it is it is a shame because my, my eldest is five and my youngest is 18 months. So, like, these are precious times. They're not going to be babies forever. And I'm in, I'm in fight camp back to back. I've had five fights since last August. Five fights since last August. And then I've obviously got uh, the 12th of November. So it's, it's quite active, yeah. And I went to Thailand for a month by myself without any family. Like the girls, wife, she finds it difficult, but she knows the bigger picture. She knows that it's part of what I do. When I met her, I was doing Thai boxing, uh, and then I did the boxing. So I did Thai boxing. I got to European level, and then I did the boxing just to, you know, to get the money in or whatever to make a better lifestyle. And then I went to the Thai, and she was like, "She will support me if I give it 110 percent." I think. It is very hard. You know, I've had past relationships and friendships where they've been cut off because of dedication to the gym or to the sport. And, you know, you can't give them these people that time that they they need, you know. So she does a lot. She takes a lot. She's a special kind of woman because not everyone can do it. You know, it is hard slug for her. It's not only not being able to go out for meals or spend family time, but also... I'm at home watching fights 24-7. YouTube is my is like my go-to. I watch, I'm watching all the memberships, all the tutorials, all the seminars that go up. Science Boxing puts up loads of stuff. I'm watching all that. It's like, can we just sit down and watch a rom-com? And I'm like, wow, well, we could. 
but not with me, darling. I've got a I've got a study this, so I want to see how this fighter does that, so I can try and have a go at that, or I need to do this and that. You know, it's like I'm always learning. I'm dedicated to the sport. So, how would you say your style is? You know, how do you differentiate yourself from other fighters? What is unique to you? Well, people would say, like people have said, like Nathan's strong, he's a banger, he's tough, which I am. I'm tough, I'm strong, I, I lift every weight, so I punch people very hard, I kick hard things. You know, like I am tough, but I don't think people give me the credit for my IQ intelligence. You know, like it's, if you're beating me, I would know how you are beating me. If I can stop it or not is a different story than not, depending on, you know, what how the fight's going or whatever. But if you're beating me, I will know how you are beating me and how to overcome it. I would like to say I'm very versatile. Like, I'm not just one, one style. I can kick well, I can punch well, I can clinch well. I'm a hard knight. You know, like, you get some fighters that are like, oh, yeah, they're really good kickers, but, you know, he's his body's weak or he, he gasses or like he doesn't like clinching or whatever. I'm amazing at particularly one area, but I'm very good at everything. I'm a hard night for anyone. You know, I can hit hard and I'm tough. Who needs me? You don't want, yeah. you don't want to be in a five round war with me. You just don't want to. Yeah. And I heard, um, you know, Vinnie, Vinnie Shawman, you know, who's been commentating lots of your fights and now come, you know, does some work with the Muay Thai Grand Prix as well. You know, loves you very much as well, and says, uh, you know, yeah, great guy, great guy. That that you're very accurate, and not only that, but you're, you know, great timing and great heart. You know, so I don't think that it is undervalued. I do think people are noticing it. Not you, not not just the strength. That's but what it's, we need. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, but nothing, nothing's given to anyone. It is hard work, and that's why, you know, all these sacrifices do have to be made. You know, the wife The wife understands that if I'm not accurate and I'm not sharp and I'm not doing the things that I need to be doing, I'm not in the gym, I'm not going to be where I want to be in the end of it all. You know, it's a journey. So do you enjoy Muay Thai more than boxing? You know, or do you find them equally as enjoyable? What, what, where do you find your, your passion? I think you enjoy what you're good at, yeah. You know, if you're good at something, like I, I hate maths. But I'm, I'm shit at maths. That's why. Yeah. yeah. People that are good at maths like maths. Mm. I didn't mind boxing. I liked it because it was, you're not really getting hurt. You're only getting punched. I know it sounds odd, but you're not getting kicked, kneed and elbowed. You know, yeah. it's the worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to get punched. It's like the, the niceties of Muay Thai, if, if so to speak. So, yeah, I love Muay Thai. It's a big passion of mine. It's been, you know, it's in my makeup now. I've done tar boxing longer than I haven't done tar boxing for, yes. you know. But boxing, it's more of a different art. It's like, only because you're good at table tennis doesn't mean you're going to be good at, you know, badminton or whatever. It's totally different. It is, yeah. like, you've got to really, you've got to really work at it, like anything in life, I guess. But I just didn't want to dedicate that time and effort to the boxing that I did in Thai. Yeah. So do you feel that the, the, the couple of years that you, you went into that boxing world, do you think that hindered your performance as a Thai fighter? Or do you think that it added to it when you came back, you know, that you had focused on your hands 
for for those years? Do you think that that added, you know, to the overall package, or do you think that time away was a detriment? Yeah, I think I think it definitely added. It definitely helped. Although you are neglecting tie scoring kicks, you know, and the and the fundamentals and the stance and all that sort of stuff. But if you just work on your hands for two and a half years, and then you you know you mix it with the tie, you're going to be better at your hands. If you just work on kicking for two and a half years, you're going to be a really good kicker. It's you know it's some of that. I reckon it helped. I reckon it helped. It allowed me to focus on a style, and that's what I brought into back into the tie boxing now. And then, so when when returning, you've had five fights since that. You know, yeah, back into it. Why don't you share with our listeners, you know, a little summary of of those fights there? You know, like you did to me, and you know, when you gave me a brief brief description, I think yeah. just be just be useful just to run that back because you, you know you had you had a lot of success in that time. You know, starting with when you start with Luca Falco. Yeah. So just to start in my career, I've had, you know, like you get, you get some fighters like, like, I don't know, like Joe Ryan, George, Jones, Liam Nolan, Haggerty, all these people like they're, they're winning every time they fight, they get in the ring and they win, you know, like, and, and that's, it's, you think, wow, these people are amazing. In my career, I was fighting. I'd have a loss. I'd, I'd have a draw, I'd have a couple of wins and then I'd have a loss and then I'd have a draw. And it was, it was like, I'm going to be good, but I'm just not going to be that top level. And I, w- I wasn't really going to accept that, if I'm honest. Not now, I'm not. I truly believe I've done all my learning and it's going to take someone very special to beat me on the night, someone very special. And so with that mindset, I, I come back to Ty, I fought Brian Tottie which was a one-on-one, wasn't it? So I'd fought him about 10 years previously. He beat me. Then I fought him about four years after I beat him. Five years later, we've got, we've got the, the third fight. It was a very one-sided onslaught. And Totti's very good, but I, I, just, I just was not going to be denied. So I fought Totti in the August, and then I fought Luca Falco in the October the Italian who he was on like a 20 fight win streak. Mm. It, and then since I've fought Falco, he's had like five or six fights from that. And one of them one of WBC world title at the weight below. So, you know, he's, he's a good standard fighter. Yeah. I beat him for the international WBC title. Yeah. And then that put me instead for a WBC world title with, with uh, Adam. Adam Noy. Noy, yeah. Yeah. In February. Who's, been to the IFMAs twice, won them, one championship signed, had a couple of fights on one, done very well. Uh, trains with the Venom training camp in, in Thailand, met his two and all the French mm. lads there and all the Thais, all the top level lads. You know, he's got a very good, clean, clean in the eyes style. He doesn't make many mistakes. He's very technical and difficult to beat. I beat him. So I beat him for the world title in February and then it was where where's this one championship contract so where's the call there was a couple of uh, conversations between people and one championship saying we want to sign Nathan but we would like him to be a world champion so then I fought Adam Nye for the world title won 
Okay, we liked the fight. It was brilliant. But our criteria at the moment is knockouts, punk knockouts. Really? Okay. So then I went to Thailand in April yeah. because there was no shows on. So they, they specified that, you know, regardless of the World World Championship, they were requiring knockouts in the manner that you win your fights. They were very specific on that. Yeah, that's what they wanted. Their criteria was knockout artists at that time. I mean... It, I think they changed. So, like, they might want people that throw spinning heel kicks. Sure, yeah, yeah. You know? okay. So, but at that time, it was people that knocked people out. Yeah. And um, but my game plan coming back wasn't to knock people out. It was to get the wins, get the bout, outscore, outwork. It isn't to knock them out with one shot and them or whatever. It was just get the job done and be safe. You know. So then in April, I went to I went to Thailand. Went to PK Sanchai, trained there for a month, asked to fight. They um, said, yeah, we can get you a fight. I said, can I have it in MMA gloves? Because I'm, you know, I'm trying to work my way to get to one championship. They want knockouts. I would like MMA gloves. I want to have a good fight against a good lad where, you know, they will see it and be impressed. They said, yeah, brilliant. We'll sort it out. Within three days, I was fighting. Yeah. I fought on Lumpini Stadium, Fairtex Fight Promotions. Foot a tie in little gloves, stopped him in the second round, knocked him down in the first with a right hand, and then I stopped him with a body shot in the second. So now I'm thinking, right. And the performance was wild. It was crazy. There was, you know, a lot of blood. It was violent. It was what they were asking for. It was the stoppage that they wanted. So I'm thinking, right, that's me now. I'm getting this phone call. No phone call. Never mind. I'm not going to chase See, it'll come when it comes. Then I got asked to fight Nico Carrillo, which was the biggest domestic fight he is. Like, I know Liam Harrison fought Charlie Peters, which was a domestic fight, obviously. And he was signed to fight Greg Wooten, which was a big mess- domestic fight as well. But this fight had would have the, been mass- yeah, the been massive yeah. talk. Mm-hmm. The, the two people that genuinely do not like each other, and it isn't bravado, it isn't just for the cameras, if we see each other, we don't like each other. You know, mm. it's not, uh, let's be friends behind the scenes. I think he's a prat. So that I was a part of that. Obviously, I, I had a I had a grade three tear in my MCL. So I couldn't go ahead with the fight. And I was injured for six weeks before I, was, I actually pulled out. So, I, you know, I did everything I could to, to make it into the ring. So that fight didn't happen. Then one championship. Muay Thai Grand Prix called, do you want this tournament? Road to one. I thought, this is my path. This is the sign that I was meant to have. Because if I would have got signed after the Lumpini fight, after the knockout in the little gloves, torn my MCL and not been able to show up for one championship, you know, it could have really gone against me. So this is my, this is meant to be my path to the global stage. And this is, for me, this is, so I said, yeah, I'll have that. Absolutely. Did lots and lots of rehab on the knee, just, you know, being very careful. I was halfway through camp. I injured it twice through camp. I took a week off, and no training whatsoever, rehabbing. You know, and usually I'm doing 10 weeks solid, hard graft grind. I'm not having a week. If I'm having a week off, I think, oh God, I'm lazy. What's happening? He's training. I need to train. I just needed to be smart. And that I thought that Matthias... Um, on yeah. the 1st of October. Yeah. And um, it was 
scare him with hands so he don't want to lift his legs and kick so he doesn't score too much. If he does kick, you've got to hurt him after. And uh, lift the legs, but don't throw that right kick, whatever you do. Be safe in there. And that was, that was what happened. So that went to a decision. Was that a lot closer than you thought the fight was going to be? In all honesty, he was my fifth opponent for the night, for the show. So Monte Grand Prix had Jack Kennedy, Shaq Davis, and an Italian. And then it was this Matthias guy. Sorry, then a Dagestani. Then it was that Matthias guy. So, and all the other four weren't the same level as him. He's had 48 fights, 44 wins, four in Thailand, a lot in little gloves, trains out of Fabio Pinker's gym. Yeah. And he's an aspiring partner for Adam Noy, a guy that I've just fought who, who's yeah, yeah. legitimately world level. So in all honesty, I thought this is going to be a really hard night. Like, I can't kick. I've got to rough him up. And he's going to be a good, well-schooled lad. It's going to be a hard night. So it was a lot easier than I imagined it was going to be. I kind of built him up, I think. I kind of thought he's going to be very good. He's going to be brilliant. And he wasn't. He was very average, yeah. um, which then hindrance my performance because I didn't really need to get out of second gear. Mm. I just wanted to be safe in there and not hurt my leg. If I would have thought, would have started going for the stoppage and start trying to, you know, swing combinations and get, you know, get caught, you know, it's it's about making it through, getting the win, not not getting knocked out, you know. So it kind of it's kind of a bit of a hindrance to be honest. But yeah, it was a close fight on certain scoring. If you score Muay Thai as Muay Thai, yeah, it's a close fight. But how one championship score it, damage, aggression, footwork, ring presence, you know, all that cyber stuff. I win clear. I win every round. But the problem we've got is we've got UK judges that judge traditional tie boxing doing, you know, what say there's 25 fights on the show, 20 fights on the show. They're judging 18 fights of pure Muay Thai, what they know that their judge all year round, every weekend, and then they've got to switch to one championship rules. You know, you can't blame them for having their own, you know, normal opinion on how it was, how to score it. So it's, you've just got to make sure you know how the judges are scoring when you're in there. This podcast is sponsored by Be Present Coaching, upskilling business professionals with mindfulness tools. Check out bepresent.uk for more information on corporate courses and guided mind exercises. So the other semi-final that a month quarter final that night. So George Muzakitis, who was just on the podcast, you know, he he came away with the victory. I know you like to watch footage. You know, what did you make of that fight? And, you know, how does that make you feel, you know, leading up to the 12th of November when you meet George? When I before I watched the fight, so before George had that fight, I thought, George is the final. George is like he's got a win over Coakley. He's um he hasn't had, he's only had one loss to Liam McGrandles, who is legitimately world level. He's very good. I believe whoever wins out of me and George wins the tournament. So before I watched the fight, I thought, George, I'm gonna have to be on my P's and Q's. I'm gonna have to be a good tie boxer and outscore him and you know, kick his body. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to do that with my knee, blah, blah, blah. I was a bit 
No, I wouldn't say worried because fear isn't a factor, but I would say I was a bit apprehensive of how I was going to win and how I was going to approach it. But after watching the fight and this fight just, and then watching my, my last performances and how I've grown and my mindset and how it's actually coming to light of the one championship contract is at the end of this. I don't have any doubts whatsoever that I will, I will win. I will beat Jordan Rizakitis. I'm very confident of it. Although it's not going to be easy, just like none of the fights are easy. Yeah. You know, they're all hard fights, but I am very capable of beating him. Yeah. What did you think of that Sheffield venue? Brilliant. It was very lovely, nice. right? Yeah. It was, it was intimate. The decor was great. It was all blacked out with the lights and stuff. It, it was, was it start, was the star effect on the side with the, the lights. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Sometimes when the venues are massive, and there's like a thousand people there, but it holds four thousand. Mm-hmm. The atmosphere isn't yeah. the same. It'd be nice to get four thousand people in there, obviously, but for Thai boxing at the moment, it's not it's not the biggest thing in the world, is it? So we don't we don't really pack out venues like that. But I think yeah. there's the intimate, you know, like I fought I fought at um a venue called Pussycats in Telford, which is probably the same size as my kitchen. It's ridiculous, mm-hmm. can barely fit the ring in it. But there was like, I don't know, 400 people in there, which was probably max capacity. And I, I was fighting and um, I could see my mum like this close to me. It was yeah. it was weird, but mm-hmm. it was really like encouraged and spurred us yeah, all yeah, yeah. The intimacy of it is great. Yeah. Like stand up and I hear the comedians talking about, you know, you can do like the Joe Rogan to like, you know, thousands and thousands of people, you know, but a lot of them yeah. prefer just being in an intimate room where you can get the feedback off, you know, and the vibe. And exactly. It's that, that experience. Yeah, it's good. It's great. So I'm assuming, you know, you watch Natty's fight, you know, and Craig, obviously Craig's, Craig's win, you know, th- th- those are the other two now semi-finalists. Mm-hmm. Well, what are, you, what are your, your thoughts on their fight? And what do you, what are your predictions for when they meet? So, Coakley was good. Coakley does what Coakley does best. Right. He's very constant, isn't he, Coakley? He just does not stop touching you. I don't think he particularly hits very hard, although he has stopped a lot of people. But I think whatever he throws, he's pointy, sharp, and a lot of it. Yeah. And I think because of his build, he's quite ranging. He's got them, you know, long knees and stuff. I think think Tarbox is good for him. Or he's good at Tarbox. He's made it work really well for him. So he, he looked really good against Kim. Natty, Natty was an absolute fireball, weren't he? Yeah, that was a very devastating first round win, yeah. Once he caught Ambro, he lost his mind, didn't he? Mm. He just went 100 mile an hour. Mm. My thought is, though, can is Natty a one You know, like, can he sustain that? Um, he's probably, he'll probably do better at three rounds, but not, I don't think he could... No one could do that for five rounds. No one. Usain Bolt sprints for like nine and a half seconds. He's knackered after, you know? Natty would have been tired after that, I would imagine. If he wouldn't have been, then... Yeah. You know, he's, he's obviously, he's obviously going to be a big problem. But if you can weather the storm with Natty, I think he'll tire. But you got you got to get out round one. What, mate? How, how many rounds is the, um, the semi-final? Is it three as well? Yeah. Yeah. And the final? I don't know, but the ones in Lumpini, Fairtex fight promotions were five, so it could be five rounds. Mm-hmm. Could be five. If Coakley, I'm going to say 
I'm going to say Natty beats Coakley. Although, if Natty doesn't stop Coakley in the first round, Coakley wins. If Coakley can like impose his game straight away and be be switched on and not get caught with anything wild, Coakley will win. Right. So, any message for George? Uh, not particularly. No, I like George. I think he's a. I think he's a cool guy. He's, he's obviously on a mission. He wants to. He wants to change his life, just like we all do. If he thinks he's the only one that wants it as much as he does, he's very mistaken. But he will train hard. He will be in shape. He will be a very, you know, demanding fight. But I am going to win, and I don't say that out of malice. Or I'm going to knock him out and hurt him and. Um, I want to end his life or anything like that. But yeah. I'm going to beat George. I truly believe that. And it's it's going to be a good one. It's going to be one for the history books, I'm sure. Yeah. And in preparation for that, you know, people often ask, you know, what's your game plan? For, for you, what, what does game plan mean? Right? For some people, they'll just train and they'll say, like, I don't care who I fight. I'm just going to go in there and that's my game plan. I'm just going to go and react. Whereas some like to feel, feel their fighters out in the first round, some people have a very specific plan of how they want to execute, right? What, yeah. what does game plan mean to you? And can you share some of, you know, what your game plan for George is going to be? I don't want to share my game plan for George, do I? Obviously, you don't want to give too much away, but yeah, if you can... I'm going to throw spinning head kicks only and jump in scissor knees and see if I yeah. can knock him out. Now, for game plan, it really is just... Yeah, what does it me, mean for you? Yeah. For me, it's doing everything that you've been doing in the gym, sticking to a game plan, sticking to the, the techniques that you've been doing. Because if you think we just hit pads and get fit and whack things and don't actually think about what we're doing, then you're all very mistaken. You know, it is an art at the end of the day. We're setting traps. We're defending certain shots that they will throw. We are sticking to a plan. Now, if I go in there and just, swing for the fences and I'm not doing everything that I've practiced, what's the point in a game plan? A game plan is something to have a bit of a guideline for, but you know, you need to be able to have a plan A, plan B, plan C as well. Just like George said, you need to be able to change it. Um, you know, if he does this, I'm going to do that. And if I'm doing this and it's working well, I'm going to set this up or that up, you know? So, Game planning is just basically what you've been drilling in the gym and try and stick to it. And if it doesn't work, you need to have a plan B, you know? My game plan for George is it's basically, I'm not going to be able to right kick, I don't think. I haven't, it's, so I've got to change the range. What am I going to do? Am I going to go all the way in and box an elbow and clinch and try and throw him about and ragdoll him and be strong there? Or am I going to try and make him miss and, you know, and counter with hands yep. and try and get the knockout or whatever? But it might be a bit of both. It might be a bit of both. I might have to do one for 20 seconds, another one for five seconds and go again for a minute. You know, it might be a bit of both. But I'm coming for a every fight that I have now. I'm coming for knockouts. And I don't mean that as in malice. It's let's get this fight over and done with. Let's finish this. When I fought Brian Totty on the, on the last time, I was having so much fun in there. I didn't want to stop him. And like everyone was saying after, you could have stopped him. You should have stopped him. He, he didn't do anything to him. But if I stop him, then I've got to get out of the ring. I'm performing here. I've done 12 weeks of hard training. 
let me this perform. Bit, yeah. Let me enjoy this moment. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. But I'm in there, handle business, get out, onto the next one for this tournament. Yep. So we're super excited. So that's November 12th at the O2 Indigo. You're going to be facing George Musakitis. It's the semi-final for this six potential six-figure contract with one championship for the winner. So a couple more questions before, before I let you go. Yeah. What is a fighter to you? Someone that can overcome. So if you're in there and you're fighting, there's no fight if, if there's no you know resistance. If you're in there and you're just beating people up and you're kicking or whatever and you, you, you're winning and it's easy, you're fighting bums, you know, or even if you're fighting good lads, but it's really easy, you're just outskilling them. That's obviously great, but to be a fighter, you have to overcome some sort of resistance. You know, you have to fight through. And we do that every day. All of us do in fight camp. The days you don't want to go to the gym, you go. The days it's pissing down with rain in November and you've got to make weight, you do it. It's overcoming the struggles. And it doesn't have to be in the ring, does it? It's in life in general. You know, if you're overcoming things, you are a fighter. Yeah, and so we'll end on this one, Nathan. Um, What matters most? That I make it worth it. It's worth it for the people that sacrifice, because it isn't just me. It's my coaches, my training partners, my wife, my family, my daughters. You know, people travel to come and see me fight. They spend a lot of money on tickets, hotels. You know, they miss out on time with their family. You know, like, Everyone sacrifices so much for me. It's important that I perform for them and obviously for myself. But I want to make, you know, my daughter's proud, you know, my wife happy that, you know, it's all done and finished and he got the win and he's not hurt and we can, you know, enjoy each other's company as well. He's not down in the dumps because he didn't get the W or whatever it is. I just want to, I want to make it worth it. Because this has been, you know, like 20 years almost of, of hard work. So if you're going to do it, you're going to have to do it to your fullest. Make it worth it. Yeah, and getting those rom-coms with the missus after as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I'll be there ringside on the 12th and um, we'd love to get an interview following, following the fight. So I wish you all the best in the... So I look forward to the winner's interview after, yeah. Indeed. Indeed, and um, you know, all the best with the preparation and the tra- and the training and the, the weight. I know that's uh that's always a challenge, but all the best with that. And I'll speak to you on the twelfth. Thank you very much, Will. I really appreciate your time as well. Yeah, no worries, mate. Catch you. Thanks for making it this far and showing your support and love to the podcast. A big thanks again to Be Present Coaching for their support. Find out more about their masterclass mindfulness courses and free guided meditations at bepresent.uk. Bepresent.uk. I'm your host, Guy, and this is the Mindful News Podcast. If you've taken away something from today's episode, please go ahead and share the link with a friend. Until next week. <laughs>